This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 106 of The Catholic Foodie, Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution. Welcome, folks, to The Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we're talking about Jamie Oliver and his food revolution. You know Jamie Oliver, the British chef who is out to save America from itself. He's making waves, folks, on this side of the pond. He's currently in Los Angeles, where he's producing season two of his controversial reality TV show. I'm very excited about our guest today. Kelly the Kitchen Cop joins us to chat about Jamie and his revolution. And I'm very happy to be able to share her insights with you today. Sarah Reinhardt brings us another excellent Mary in the Kitchen segment. We have all this and more right here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Yeah, the cool thing, too, about Sarah, <laughs> you know, last week I made a mistake. I admit it. I made a mistake, and I didn't catch it until uh, a little bit later um, after I'd already produced the show and put it up and, and everything else. I realized I had uh, transposed the show notes that she sent me because I, I had two weeks' worth of uh, segments from Sarah, and I took the new show notes that I had received but put them to the old um, uh uh, audio file. <laughs> so, so last week I said, hey, Sarah's going to talk to us about Play-Doh and prayer. But guess what? She didn't. She talked to us about love letters in her kitchen. <laughs> so this week, folks, this week, Sarah is talking to us about Play-Doh and prayer. And I just can't wait for that. That is going to be so good. So, uh, so what's going on? What's going on? Well, you know, before we get into talking about Jamie and the food revolution, of course, I have to start the show by thanking our sponsor, DivineOffice.org. And you know the folks over at DivineOffice.org, they provide the Liturgy of the Hours in text format and audio format on their website, DivineOffice.org. Also on iTunes as a podcast, there's a Divine Office app for your iPhone, iTouch, iPad, and there is now the Divine Office app for Mac. With uh, It's available at the new Mac App Store. And uh, there's also a Divine Office app for Android in development. I don't know when that's going to be coming out, but I know that is in development. So you can find out more about the Liturgy of the Hours and about this very real community of prayer by visiting divineoffice.org. Well, folks, when it comes to TV... We tend to run a bit behind the times here at the Young Household. We don't have cable or direct TV or anything like that. Uh, really, we don't even have much time to watch TV. We do pick up a signal with an antenna so we can watch things, you know, that, that we really want to watch on occasion, like the Saints football or maybe the Super Bowl, which unfortunately this year, those two things are not the same. <laughs> not like last year. Last year, Super Bowl Sunday meant something very special to us. Of course, the Saints were in the Super Bowl last year, but this year that's not the case. So we're going to still watch it, very excited about it, but not it's just not the same level of excitement as last year. You know, we do have Netflix, and I love Netflix. Char and I have been uh, trying to catch all the old Lost series on Netflix, and it's really for the first time. We never saw it when it first came out. So uh, we've been going season by season. We're in season five now, I believe. Uh, we've been doing this over the last several months. You know, we don't watch it all the time, but it's great. Netflix is fantastic for that. It's all available for us. And uh, also, of course, there's Hulu.com. So why am I telling you all this about how we get or don't get TV? Well, it's my way of explaining the fact that Char and I just discovered Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution. I remember hearing about it last year. I'm a big fan of Jamie, actually. I used to love his shows on Food Network, but I never really got into this whole Food Revolution show when it first came out. I mean, really, I don't think I even read anything about it. I mean, I, I knew about it. I remember hearing that, that there is a show called Food Revolution, and I remember Char actually telling me one day, hey, you know, we should probably watch that <laughs> since, uh, you know, you're the Catholic foodie and all. But uh, we didn't, at least not till now. So we are a bit late to the party, but we have finally checked it out. Thanks to Hulu.com, we have started to watch uh, the first season. Last year was the first season. The show launched in March of 2010 on ABC. And the basic premise, I don't know if you know anything about this, I don't know if you watch it, but the basic premise is Jamie Oliver, who has a most impressive list of accomplishments. I mean, even more impressive, I think, given the fact that he's only 34 years old, 
He's here to save America from itself. Uh, matter of fact, here, let's take a listen to the show promo for the first season because I think it gives you a really good idea of the nature of the show. Let's take a listen to this. Welcome to beautiful Huntington, West Virginia, population 50,000, home of Marshall University, and recently named the unhealthiest city in America. In a place where nearly half the adults are considered obese and incidents of diabetes and heart disease lead the nation, one man is coming to lead a food revolution. This is about life and death. Jamie Oliver, renowned British chef who transformed the British school food program. Everyone can do better. Has come to our shores to take on the biggest mission of his life, to save an entire American city. I'm here to inspire and show America that just a little effort can make a massive difference. But in this town, the revolution will meet resistance. What are you here for? The results came out that this town was the most unhealthy town in America. This is a government statistic based on death. We don't want to sit around and eat lettuce all day. I don't think Jamie's got anything that can change this town. He can try all he wants. I don't think he's got it. I thought there was only miserable bastards like that in England. How's your pizza for breakfast? In all of my years, I've never seen pizza given for breakfast in any country. Who knows what this is? Potatoes. So you think these are potatoes? This is the future of America. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? What's right with that? Would you eat that? Yes, yes I think it's good. good. I'm talking about causing a big fuss. I'm changing things. Change. Yeah, okay. They don't understand me because they don't know why I'm here. In a city with a growing epidemic. I've tried every diet. I've tried going to the gym. I just can't get the motivation. This is going to kill your children with the coloration of the neck, the family history of diabetes. You may be dying in your 30s. One man will try to save 50,000 lives. If you think that's not important, then shame on you. The fat consumed by the entire school for one year. This is the first generation of kids expected to live a shorter life than their parents. Will you support me? I'm talking about a seed of change. I'm talking about schools. I'm talking about fast food industry. I'm here to start a revolution. The biggest food revolution this country's ever seen. Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution. Series premiere Friday, March 26, 9, 8 central on ABC. So that was the promo for season one, which uh, started back in March of 2010. Uh, John, I haven't finished watching all of season one. I think we're about halfway through right now. And there's not that many episodes, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's like six or seven. Uh, but really, it was a great, great, I love it. <laughs> I'll put it that way. I really do. Uh, there are a few things that really bother me about it. And I think I'll, I'll, um, I'll try to share that with you. But the general premise, I mean, what's going on? I don't think you can really argue with that. Uh, you know, it's in the news, of course. It makes news, uh, and it's just sort of a fact. And I, I think for a lot of folks, we kind of gloss over that. We don't we don't want to look at it, really, because it's kind of scary. But there's so much uh, obesity, and you hear about this a lot in relationship to uh, – and in schools. Uh, I remember as a teacher last year, a couple of years back, uh, hearing statistics about uh, obesity in kids and in schools and – um, just the questions of nutrition and different problems. And of course, you've got different demographics having different problems. And, you know, so there is an issue. And I think that that's pretty safe to say. Nobody can really argue with the fact that there really is an issue. Tons and tons of uh, unhealthy food out there. Lots of folks who eat really poorly. They eat unhealthy food. Um, and so Jamie Oliver comes in and wants to make this change. He wants to turn things around. I love what he's trying to do. Think about it, though. Think about it because he's talking about eating real food. That's a big deal for us over here, for me as the Catholic foodie. Uh, he's, he's talking about getting back in the kitchen, trying to help people. A lot of folks, and I have said this before, and it, it kind of fires me up. It, it gets me really riled up when I think about it. But the way that society is today, our society today, we're moving too fast. Things move way too fast. Do I have an answer? Do I have a solution? No, I don't. But I do know that a lot of folks are so busy. We are so busy that we have to eat fast food. That's why fast food, I think, is as popular and as 
uh, successful as it is, it has almost, in a sense, a captive audience. Uh, you, you could also say that it's it's uh, um, chemically, uh, scientifically made to appeal to us because that's how they put together the flavors and all that stuff. It's all chemicals. It's crazy. But, you know, there's a reason why we eat so much fast food. We're moving too fast. Life moves too fast. Too many things. Too much going on. And we don't have time to spend in the kitchen cooking. Uh, and I, I think that's a terrible thing. Uh, and, I, and I've said this before. I mean, I think that we do need to be back in the kitchen. I think it's very important to be in the kitchen for any number of reasons. And as the Catholic foodie, I can say that, that some of those reasons have to do with our own faith and have to, has to do with teaching our children the faith. And not just intellectual knowledge, but forming them in the faith. And so you have to be part of that, that family experience of family meals. Right? Because, because learning the faith, living the faith, is more than just an intellectual exercise. It really has to do with everything about life. It has to do with formation, who we are as people. And so I can see, and I readily agree with, with these points, these things that Jamie wants to do. He wants to make this difference. Bring families back into the kitchen. Have them eating together. Have them cooking together. Have them eating real food. All excellent things. I love it. I absolutely love it. And you can tell, though, folks, just just by watching season one, of course, you see it. There's a lot of opposition. You've you even heard some of that there in this promo. Uh, you heard, I think, that part with the DJ. He's he's being interviewed on the radio, and. Uh, I think the DJ kind of gets to it. There's, there's several reasons why you have this opposition. The first of all, I think, simply put, people don't like being told what to do. And it's kind of like what the DJ said in the clip. Uh, we don't want to sit around eating lettuce all day. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't mean that literally, I don't think. He's not talking about literally sitting around eating lettuce all day. But he touches on the heart of the issue. Even when we know that we're e- what we're eating is unhealthy, uh, often we want to eat it anyway. Why? Well, because. Because we can. Because we like it. Just because. Uh, I mean, think about it. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, uh, or any soft drinks uh, cannot be said to be healthy in any way, but look at how much of it is sold. Look at how much uh, Coca-Cola and Pepsi and other kind of soft drinks that we consume. But we know it's not good for you. You know what I mean? We do it anyway. So I think that there's a, some opposition comes into play just simply by the fact that you have someone coming in and saying, you know, pointing out your own faults and then saying, hey, here's the solution, which means in order to improve, there has to be change. Well, we don't really like that, typically. We don't really like that. So this is what's, uh, what's happening. But in addition to just that, that sort of uh, general sense of opposition that you see, Jamie's trying to produce right now season two of Food Revolution, and this season he's in Los Angeles. And just two days ago, on the 3rd, I believe it was February 3rd, two days ago, um, the the L.A. school system yanked the show's permit to film on school property. Now, here's the scoop. I'm going to take this from the L.A. Times. Here's the scoop, all right, what the L.A. Times had to say about this. British chef Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution is giving the Los Angeles Unified School District, that's going to be L-A-U-S-D, a case of indigestion. The L-A-U-S-D has suspended all filming of reality TV shows in district schools after a standoff with the celebrity chef who had been filming his ABC show Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution at West Adams Preparatory High School in South Los Angeles for the last two weeks. A person close to the production said that District Superintendent Ramon Cortinez would approve the permit for Oliver's show only if he could guarantee that he knew everything about the production and that it would paint the district in a positive light. A spokesman for Film LA Incorporated, which is a nonprofit group that handles film permits for the LAUSD, said that the, uh, the district's action was prompted not by any specific complaints regarding Oliver's show, but by a concern that such reality TV programs can be disruptive to students. Yesterday, the district decided that having unscripted reality shoots while classes were still in session was probably not the best idea, said Film LA spokesman Todd Lindgren. Reality programming is unpredictable. 
and the district decided that it was better to restrict that kind of programming. If you look at the last series that Oliver did in Huntington, West Virginia, it was full of conflict and drama, and we're not interested in that, LAUSD spokesman Robert Alanis said. He said district officials were concerned that Oliver's show would not fairly reflect steps that LAUSD has taken to improve its menus, such as banning junk food and sodas. Our guidelines are currently, uh, are certainly way above the USDA guidelines, he said, adding that the district remained open to working with the chef. Now, Oliver, who has championed the cause of promoting healthier eating in schools in Britain and now in America, recently moved to Los Angeles and is filming the second season of ABC's Food Revolution. He's been trying for months to gain entry into the, into the country's second largest school system, but he has received a cold reception from district officials. Oliver was not available for comment, but a spokeswoman for the show said the production would continue outside the school regardless of the in-school ban. In a speech at the UCLA School of Public Health on Wednesday night, Oliver said he had been inspired by his experiences at West Adams Preparatory and shared his frustration with district officials. Here's a quote. Yesterday, my filming permit was terminated because I can't promise that the LAUSD doesn't look good, he said. They failed to see me as a positive, and they failed to see the TV as an incredible way to spread the word, to inspire people, to inform parents, to see others, to see other teachers doing pioneering things, end quote. So, Opposition to change, yep, you see that, particularly in the area of food, can spring up for many different reasons. Now, what, there's a lot of controversy right now about this because why is it that they terminated this uh, permit? What, what was the, the cause? You know, it's very easy to look at this and say, oh, it's because, you know, they're serving terrible food and uh, he's coming in and he's going to expose that. Well, I mean, there's more to it than that, I think. I mean, on the outs, well, it's kind of hard. I mean, last year, the last season in Huntington, West Virginia, he goes in and what does he do? He sets up a kitchen in, uh, in, the, in the middle of the city, basically, in an area where a lot of folks could uh, benefit from it. And in the kitchen, they'll get, he gets like free lessons, cooking lessons, things like that, uh, to help people to learn how to cook, which is awesome. That's a great thing. Uh, he also got permission to go into the, one of the schools where he was going to work with the, uh, the, the, the lunch crew, uh, the folks who prepare the, the meals there and all the prepare the meals. Really, it's all just heating up food that's you know, frozen and processed and bringing that out. And he's trying to, 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 to bring healthier stuff in. And the whole point, I think what he's trying to do is prove that you can really give uh, kids healthy food and it doesn't cost – it could cost – as much as, and maybe a little bit more, but somewhere around there, uh, of all the processed food that's been given, and it's much more healthy uh, for the, the for the kids. So that's what he's trying to do, and he goes into the schools to see if he can make this happen. Why? Because yes, if you heard in that clip, uh, Huntington, West Virginia, came out in this study as the most unhealthiest uh, uh, city in America. Uh, but he he's not trying to he's is multifaceted. He's trying to attack these different, um, I guess, launch these different campaigns, trying to reach different people in different ways. But one of the main things he's trying to do uh, is is reach the kids, is to reach the kids. And of course, I mean, it just makes sense, right? Because the kids are the future. It makes sense. So that's what he's trying to do also in this season in Los Angeles, trying to get into the schools and to do it to do it that way, to reach the kids. I mean, Jamie, think about this. He's done this very successfully in, uh, in England already. Uh, you know, back home for him, it was a couple of years back, he, he launched a similar campaign to improve the food in their school systems there. And at the end of it, he ended up getting, I think it was like 280 million pounds, like extra being given to the school systems to improve their food programs. That's huge. And that, that's the power of, uh, of change, of one man on a mission. When the mission makes sense and it's good and it's for the betterment of society, right? this is a good thing, 
uh, he was able to move people into action. And they were able to get all that money to completely revamp and improve the food system there for the schools in in uh, in England. That's that's extremely impressive. Extremely impressive. So he's trying to bring the same message here. And you know, if you go to uh, Jamie's uh, website, I'm going to pull this up right here because I, I was pretty impressed with this. He's got under his about section, uh, you've got several different links, and one of them is his food philosophy. And I really, I really like this. This is what he's saying. My philosophy to food and healthy eating has always been about enjoying everything in a balanced and sane way. Food is one of life's greatest joys, yet we've reached this reality, this really sad point where we're returning food into the enemy and something to be afraid of. I believe that when you use good ingredients to make pasta dishes, salads, stews, burgers, grilled vegetables, fruit salads, and even outrageous cakes, they all have a place in our diets. We just need to rediscover our common sense. If you want to curl up and eat macaroni and cheese every once in a while, that's all right. Just have a sensible portion next to a fresh salad, and don't eat a big helping of chocolate cake afterwards. <laughs> Knowing how to cook means you'll be able to turn out or turn all sorts of fresh ingredients into meals when they're in season, at their best, and the cheapest. Cooking this way will always be cheaper than buying processed food, not to mention better for you, and because you'll, uh, because you'll be cooking a variety of lovely things, you'll naturally start to find a sensible balance. Some days you'll feel like making something light and fresh. Other days you'll want something warming and hearty. If you've got to snack between meals, try to go for something healthy rather than loading up on chocolate or potato crisps. Uh, basically, as long as all we all recognize that treats should be treats, not a daily occurrence, we'll be in a good place. So when I talk about having a healthy approach to food and eating better, I'm talking about achieving that sense of balance, lots of the good stuff, loads of variety, and the odd indulgence every now and then. That's wonderful. Very balanced, very sensible. You know, it makes a lot of sense. And what's really neat is that Jamie, he sees that there are a lot of problems in society that we could address and, and fix through food. I mean, he's got uh, restaurants that he has started across really all over the world that takes kids who have, uh, don't have a, 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 maybe didn't complete their education, and it takes them in and it trains them and gives them a skill so they can work in restaurants and they can learn how to cook and they can if they wanted to, I mean, even open their own restaurants one day. But he gives them this opportunity. He gives them this education. Fantastic. It's a fantastic work. It's a fantastic work of, of charity to be able to, to, to do something like that. So he's got, I think, an excellent understanding of how food can be used as a means of doing good in society. And not only that, but as a means of really impacting for the better families. Right? Families, moms and dads and kids. I think that's fantastic. I love it. I love what he's doing. So my only concern is that, uh, you know, it's just not as, well, I don't know. My concern is this. If you've seen the restaurant, if you've seen the show, if you've seen it, Food Revolution, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's a, re a reality TV show, and I think that's why he's running into opposition right now um, in, in L.A., because it's TV, and with that medium, you you have certain things that come along with that, that just side effects in a sense that you can't get rid of. I mean, it, TV is not going to be fun, and it's not going to be engaging, and it's not going to get a lot of viewers if there is no conflict and drama. And so, of course, in bringing these wonderful messages about food out and trying to get people to think about food in a more healthy way to, to maybe question the way that they eat and, and desire to eat better. All those things, is, it's going to be natural using this medium of television. It's going to be natural to highlight or bring out at least conflict. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I can understand the, the folks in the school system saying, well, I don't know if we really want that. I don't know if we really want conflict. I can understand that. I can understand that. And I have to say, if I had my own kids 
in that particular school, I'm not real sure I would want them to be on, you know, the the the, the TV show. I can't say that I would. I mean, I, of course, you know the way the way Christopher is. Christopher's uh, not shy. He's very talented. He loves being on stage, and so I think that he would probably steal the show. Of course, it would become the Christopher Young Food Revolution. So. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I don't know if I would really want them to be on the show. I, I don't know. And, and it's just, here's the bottom line, folks. When it comes to me, I love his message, real food. I love it. I think it's extremely important. I think that we are seriously, seriously in trouble as a society. Uh, mainly, I'm talking about my own society, my own country, the United States, but it's really across the world where everything is processed, and it's processed to where it's barely even food anymore, I think that's wrong. I mean, from a Catholic standpoint, from, from someone who's looking at the gifts of God's earth, the gifts that God gives us, and I look at some of the fake stuff that we call food, and I, 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 I'm, it, it just strikes something in me. It's just not right. It's just not right. I'm not an expert when it comes to all this stuff, but I can tell you about my sensibilities. I can tell you about the what I kind of get from it from a from a faith standpoint and from a I guess from a philosophical standpoint. So I love the whole concept of real food. It should be real. Um and there's a other th- other things play into that as well. I mean the industry itself, it's all big business. This food and the processing of food. Have you ever thought about this? Why is it so expensive to eat healthily? Why why is that? Because of the way the industries have have turned around over the last few generations, they now it's so efficient for them to process food and to sell it in bulk, right, to the masses, that uh, it's more expensive to actually produce healthy food now. That's why it costs so much money to to do that. And uh, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, you would think that if it has to have more processing done to it, then it would be more expensive because it's demanding more time and resources. But that's not the case. Processed food is, is oftentimes just it's just cheaper. Crazy. So I understand that. Real food, I'm with them 100%. Absolutely. Um, the message of having families in a kitchen, I'm behind you 100%. I love it, Jamie. It's fantastic, and it needs to happen. Families sitting around the, da- the dinner table, amen, brother. But here's the thing that gets me. It's reality TV. And the thing about it is every time I watch the show, Char and I will talk about it after afterwards, you know, talking about the episode, and there's just something that always is bothering me about it, and I think a lot of it is the fact that the reality TV isn't really always very real. I mean, a lot of this stuff is staged. It has to be. You know, if you if you know anything about TV production, how you produce media, I mean, a lot of this stuff is staged. And in addition to that, even if, once you've got your camera set up, once you've got your mics rigged and everything is set, the set is set, <laughs> And you're going to start filming. Here's the deal. Those real people who are on the show, and this goes for any reality TV, those real people who are on the show know that they're on the show. So the question is, how real can they really be if they know that all of this is it's just, it's all film. It's all going on TV. You know what I'm saying? You're on stage. Uh, this is actually something called the Hawthorne effect. Other folks have uh, referred to it as the observer effect. Uh, but this is, a, I believe, it's, it's a concept that has been looked at in uh, psychology and uh, in sociology when they were doing studies uh, on folks. This was going, you know, a couple of generations back. I think like in the 40s and 50s they were doing the Hawthorne. The Hawthorne effect is a term that comes, I believe, from the 40s or 50s. They did a study on a um, uh, on factory workers, and it was a, the Hawthorne building or company. I can't remember now the exact details, but um, they, it was all about lighting, and, and can lighting affect the productivity of workers in the factory? Well, what they found is that when they made any kind of little change here or there, moved a workstation, uh, uh, brought in more lighting, or cleared the space out, or whatever it may have been, that productivity increased for a while. But what they noticed is that after the cameras left, or after the observers left, I should say, productivity went way down. 
Why? Because the folks knew that they were under observation and so they were performing better to begin with. Same thing with reality TV. If you know you're on stage, how real can you really be? And I guess that's my question. Uh, so now I have to say, though, once again, and his benefit, the message is a good message. So even if some of the stuff is staged, which I think is just it's part and parcel of the medium. If you're going to do TV, if it's going to be reality TV, it's just a fact of life. That's how it's going to be. You're going to have that whole Hawthorne effect uh, going on. You can't help that it, by its very nature. That's part of reality TV. But the message is really good. Is there going to be conflict? Absolutely. Uh, are there things – is the uh, the Los Angeles School District, Unified School District, are they doing everything 100 percent right, what's best for our kids? Probably not, no. Uh, if they're like any other school district in the country, they're feeding them processed chicken nuggets and everything else, uh, and they're not getting really good food. They're, and they're getting tons of sugar. That's another thing, tons and tons of sugar, sugar and everything. Uh, which is just not good. It's just not healthy. Uh, so will will there be conflict? Will they be painted in a positive light? Uh, probably not. That's kind of the point of the show. But once again, it's for the purpose, for a good purpose, which is to wake everybody up. Now, I could rant forever about this. And uh, once again, I don't want to make it seem like I'm uh, complaining about what Jamie's doing. I think he, I think what he's doing is wonderful. And I, I just, for myself, I think I'm a little too sensitive to the whole reality TV thing. I don't like reality TV. I also don't really think there's a such thing as reality TV because you can't have re, you know people being really themselves when they're on stage. That's my bottom line. But in addition to that, I think the whole thing is awesome. I really like it. And I, I, I could talk about it till I'm blue in the face, but what I want to do is I want to bring on a friend of mine, someone that I have looked up to over the last couple of years since I've been in the whole food blogging uh, sphere. And this is Kelly the Kitchen Cop. Now, Kelly the Kitchen Cop is all about real food, folks. She is all about real food. You're going to find her over at kellythekitchencop.com, cop with a K, okay, kellythekitchencop.com. She's got lots of good stuff. Her, I mean, her website is just like a wealth of resources. It's amazing all the stuff that's available on her site. You talk about a hardcore food blogger, real food blogger. Matter of fact, she has every Wednesday something that she calls um, uh, Real Food Wednesdays. I think I've got that right. Real Food Wednesdays. And that's sort of like a uh, blog carnival kind of thing where a lot of, lot of folks all across the Internet, a lot of bloggers all across the Internet will write about and link to each other this this, you know, on the topic of real food, good stuff. I would highly encourage you to check that out. But I, I was so fortunate. Uh, this is a pre-recorded segment I'm about to play. I, I had Kelly on the show. I, I was able to get her on the phone yesterday. And so I am going to play that for you right now. Let me pull it up here. Well, folks, we are very, uh, I'm very excited to have on the show today someone that I have been admiring for a long time. I'm talking about Kelly, the kitchen cop. And that's all K's there, okay? Cop with a K, Kelly the Kitchen Cop. You can find her over at kellythekitchencop.com. She is a uh, fantastic blogger. She's into healthy cooking, of course, traditional food. And uh, she's not afraid to tell it like it is. Uh, welcome to the show, Kelly. How you doing? Hi, I'm great, Jeff. Thanks for having me. So what is the, the Kitchen Cop thing all about? Kelly the Kitchen Cop. Who are you, Kelly? <laughs> Well, um, mostly I guess I'm a blogger, like you said. Um, I also recently kind of took on more of a teaching role, even more than with just my blog, but I last year developed an uh, online class, a nutrition class, and I called it Real Food for Rookies, which I thought kind of went with my kitchen cop theme a little, you know. Uh, so I really enjoyed doing that. It was a lot of work, but it was really fun because I feel like there's so many misconceptions out there about what's good for us and what isn't. So it was fun to kind of help bust some of those myths. And I do that, you know, quite a lot on my blog too. So, <laughs> Well, you know, one of the reasons that uh, I've been thinking about you a lot, believe it or not, and I, it's because I've been watching this uh, show on TV, uh, Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution. And I remember a while back uh, having read something on your blog about Jamie Oliver and 
uh, I think something the, the gist of it was um, sort of like uh, taking the easy way out when it came to real food. Um, and I can't remember all the details of that post. I should have looked that up before I got on the phone with you here. But um, I wanted to talk to you because one of the things that you do is this real food Wednesdays, right? Real food. And you talk about real food a lot. And so I've been thinking about you and, and this whole thing with Jamie Oliver. I really want to talk to you about that. But before we get into Jamie, um, tell me a little bit more. What is this? When we talk about real food, what are we talking about? Well, you know, it's kind of a touchy subject on my Real Food Wednesdays because, uh, you know, I want people to know they can come to this blog carnival and find real food, but a lot of people aren't really sure what it is. There was kind of a controversy a few weeks ago because um, a real sweet gal um, happened to be a vegetarian blogger, and she was posting recipes on Real Food Wednesday that had imitation meat. And so, you know, some of my other diehard real foodies were going crazy. They're like, that's not real food, you know, and they, I didn't want anyone to get nasty. I mean, I always want people to be kind because, you know, everyone deserves to be treated with respect and I didn't want anyone to get nasty about it, but people got pretty riled up. And so then I did a post about it a little bit later and I said, you know, are these, are these ingredients real food? And it started a really good conversation. But there's other times, too, that people will post something with, like, the other day someone posted a recipe with ranch salad dressing, and one of my other readers kind of got upset, and she also had some other things in the recipe that weren't all that sparkly, but it is a confusing topic. So for the most part, I just, you know, try to explain that it's a real food recipe would not be one with Velveeta cheese, and it would not have any low-fat ingredients in it. Mm -hmm. It would not have any unfermented soy it would not have generally would not have any meatless meat products because those are just fake you know really processed foods and you know for the most part it's just things that you know we can't say anymore you know it's kind of like getting to be a cliche now you know eat what your grandma ate and we really can't say that anymore we have to say think about what your great grandma ate because we're getting further and further from the real food traditions and, you know, from what our ancestors ate. So it is kind of a fuzzy topic, and, you know, that's why I try to help people on my blog to learn more about this. And so really, if you wanted to kind of, I guess, uh, uh, bring it down to the most simple elements, real food would be food that's just not processed. Right. And I, I think, you know, it's it's funny because you talk about uh, uh, these recipes that were posted, uh, you know, um, with Real Food Wednesday, and they have these processed ingredients, and people get really upset. And it, uh, what is it about? Why do you think people get upset about? I mean, from on both ends, whether it's you know people who are saying, "Hey, you know, processed food, what's the big deal? You know, we we all eat it, so what?" And then on the other other extreme, other hand, you've got folks who who. I'm, I'm kind of along this vein. It's like processed food is of the devil, and I'll talk about that later. But, you know, it's like on both ends of the spectrum, folks get really upset about this question of what do we eat? Well, part of the problem really is that, you know, it's, it is a really confusing issue when you get really deep into it because a lot of things that I eat still are a little bit processed. I mean, you think about like the coconut oil I eat. I don't eat raw coconut products. I mean, raw, if I was a, you know, purist, I'd be eating only completely unheated coconut oil, but I don't. I buy um, a kind that's minimally heated. And, you know, there's other, you know, in our kitchens, when we cook food, that's the way, you know, it's in a way we're processing it too. So there's sort of different levels of processing, but I would say things that are in a box at the grocery store, you know, kind of avoid those middle aisles, which are mostly full of junk. And um, it's, I tell people, too, it's just a process. Just keep learning and keep growing, and you'll get better over time. It doesn't, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to change overnight everything in your whole house, although that's kind of what I did. But I think people get passionate about it for a few different reasons. First of all, um, like you and I kind of spoke a little bit about before we started recording, people get pretty touchy when you tell them that a beloved food is a no-no. You know, there's a lot of people out there addicted to diet pops or to any pop, really, which makes me so sad because it's a true addiction. And, you know, you try to tell them that it's not good for them. And 
you know, they don't want to hear it, you know. Right, right. And and then on, on the side of real foodies, although not to say that we're perfect either. I'm sitting here sipping a cup of coffee right now. Um, <laughs> half calf, half decaf though. Um, but, you know, as far as the real foodies, I think a lot of us, a lot of people have been sick, really, really sick. And real food has healed them because real food really does have the power to heal people. And when that kind of transformation happens in someone's life, it, it ignites a passion in them and they want to share it with everybody. And they, it's, you know what, Jeff, I equate it to a conversion. Like when I became a Christian and when then as well, when I became a deeper Catholic Christian, I had this fire and I wanted to tell everybody about it and I couldn't, I couldn't keep it in. And it's, it's a little bit like that when you have what I call when I had my food conversion, because you know, you found the truth. You want yeah. to share the truth with people. It's powerful. Yeah. And um, so I think that those are some of the reasons why people get so passionate on each side of the subject. Yes. And I think uh, looking at, at Jamie Oliver, um, that's sort of the, I guess, the premise uh, behind the show, uh, Food Revolution, is, is trying to take, trying to go back to uh, real food. And of course, I mean, you can't, it's almost impossible, I would think, to really go back 100 percent. But he's right. trying to make he's trying to make uh, an effort, trying to make some changes that will bring about positive results in that in that area. Um, have you watched the show? Have you been uh, privy to all the goings yeah. on? You said there's another season coming up. I don't even know that, so I'm not up on it too much apparently. But I have, I did watch all of the shows last year, but I except for the last one just because I had I never got around to it and I forgot. But I did, I did watch them all, and wow, they were, it was great. I mean, I cheered through some of the shows. It was so good. And just the fact that he was teaching these people how it's really not that hard to cook from scratch. Right. You know, it can be done, and you don't have to eat out of boxes all the time. And, and there's ways that you can do it and, you know, stay in your budget, too. So I was cheering, you know, like I said, for quite a bit of what, what he would say on the shows and what he was teaching them. The only thing that really bothered me from last season was, I don't know if you saw the show where he jumped on this big, huge pile of fat. Yes. <laughs> and that drove me crazy because obviously it was a big pile of animal fat. You know, right. it was hard and they were all jumping on it. It was kind of gross and stuff, but there was no mention of the difference. Same with meat. When people demonize meat, it drives me crazy when they don't explain that it depends on where you get it. And what kind it is. Like, of course, trans fat is terrible. Everybody knows that now. But people still think vegetable oils are a better alternative to healthy animal fats. And it's just wrong. And it drives me crazy that that myth just kind of continues on and that Jamie sort of helped to perpetuate that myth more because he didn't say now, you know, animal fats can be very, very good for you if you get them from um, a farm that's not raising their animals in conventional ways and, you know, has them out on pasture the way they're supposed to be raised and same with your meat and that kind of thing. But that's not what he was saying. He was pushing kind of the same old thing where, you know, eat more vegetables and all this. And not that vegetables are bad, but we need our animal fats. We need them. We need whole milk and we need butter. And so that kind of drove me crazy that there was no distinction. And then uh, recently I, I think what you were referring to in the beginning of the show is, was a Facebook um, post that I made. I had checked out the Jamie Oliver site, and I was looking at his recipes, and I was so bummed because, like, even today I was looking at his recipes again, and he, um, you know, he had, I think he called for, like, you know, purchased chicken stock, which is okay once in a while. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, he's teaching people to make homemade food. Why not teach them to make homemade chicken stock that's so simple and so nourishing? And and then say, you know, or if you don't have it, use such and such. But instead he just, you know, basically told them to go out and buy some chicken stock. Right. And then some other recipes I saw not too long ago, which prompted the Facebook post, were um, ingredients he had called for with 1% milk, and vegetable oils and just the same crap mm. that we see everywhere. Right. So that's what had me kind of burn up, you know, recently. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, you know, once again, it's, sometimes I feel like I'm speaking a foreign language when I, I, mm-hmm. I'm talking to people and 
you know, they, they say that they're cooking with margarine or something, for instance, that I, I mean, it's, it's been so long since we've done something like that. I mean, years and years, yeah. I mean, it's way before we were married. I've been married 12 years. Um, it, it's hard, I think, to people don't understand. It, there's just so much misinformation out there. The whole low fat craze from what was that? Mm-hmm. The eighties, seventies, uh, yeah. and eighties. I mean, it's and it's just ingrained in people's brains. Um, very difficult to uh, to to make a. I don't know. Even to find common ground to talk about this kind of stuff, I think is difficult. And uh, the the with Jamie's uh, recipes, um, and it doesn't make sense to me that he seems to be promoting so strongly cooking again, cooking at home, which is something right. I love. I love to cook and I love to promote that to other people, you know, and it is so it's oftentimes it's less expensive than, you know, a lot of people, the way they eat out a lot and all, you know, it's less expensive yeah. to cook at home. And there's so many other benefits to that, to being in the kitchen. Um, it's just a shame, I guess, to, to hear what you're saying about, um, you know, why not do it all the way? Why not make that that stock and the bottom line, I think, when it comes to trying to make really making change in the food business, food industry, it's it comes down to just like anything else, any other kind of if you, if someone has a beef with with a, a, any kind of industry out there, the number one way to make things change or to make change happen is to be more uh, deliberate in how you spend your money. Right. You know, and I think if if people continue to buy the the stocks and everything else, and of course. Well, they're going to continue to make it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, you know, what I, I do wonder though, I have to say, Jeff, is that one of my, um, one of my readers made a comment on that Facebook post, and they said they wondered if he wasn't kind of being pressured in some way to throw that in there about the vegetable oils instead of instead of putting in an ingredient, you know, for lots of butter or lard or tallow or whatever it is. You know, maybe maybe he is being forced to sort of tread lightly because I can't imagine, I mean, most chefs know that fat and flavor go together right. and, you know, most real chefs use the real fats, you know? Um, so I, I can't believe that in his own kitchen, he uses anything but like real cream in a recipe. I can't imagine that he would really use 1% milk, you know? So maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but I just wonder if he's maybe being pressured or, I don't know. Maybe I'm grasping. Well, no, I don't know. Because I, I, the one thing that stays in the back of my mind as I watch these episodes, and Char and I, we're just watching season one um, on Hulu because we, we didn't see it last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're only a few episodes into it. And and she gets really riled up, you know, <laughs> which is great. And we talk about it. But she asked me after the episode, we, we try to talk about, you know, what we saw and how it was. And I, Every time there's just something bothering me about the whole thing. And I think, and I haven't really thought the whole thing through, and I, I don't have it all fixed in my head yet, but I think it has to do with the fact that it's reality TV. And reality TV tends to be kind of unreal. I mean, how real and raw can you be when you have a camera stand, staring you in the face? Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like the, the whole scene, I think it was uh, the second episode. Uh, I don't know. It could have been the first. It was, no, I think it was the second one where they had the Edwards family. Oh, yeah. Um, and they, they take them. He takes them to the doctor, and they all get checked out. And we find out that the, uh, the, the, the 12-year-old son is like pre-diabetic or something. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, think about this. I mean, I, from having been and having worked with companies before, nonprofits, and dealing with uh, – health insurance and benefits and things like that. I guess I'm a little sensitive to it, but I understand the whole, um, what do you call it, the, the privacy issue when it comes to yeah. medical records and everything else. And you have a doctor sitting here on television with a family talking to them about their medical condition. I'm thinking this shouldn't be happening. This is weird. You know, yeah, it, it could help people, though. So, I mean, if it spurs some people to make some changes, though, then I think that it, some good was was done. Oh, no, you know no, I, mean? I, I agree 100%. I agree 100%. But I guess what I'm thinking is, how real is that? I mean, it was it's staged. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, like, you're not yeah. really walking into the doctor's office with them for the first time, and they're getting worked out or worked over or whatever, and then and then they're going to tell you the results. 
for the yeah. first time. We're not really getting that. It, it, it's staged in some way. And so in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, if that's staged, how much is the rest of it staged? You know, how you much know of this is really real? Is that that happens, that is happening all the time. Like even though that, you're right, that had to have been staged, that scene walking into the doctor's office. But unfortunately, that's happening everywhere right now with kids getting sick at younger and younger ages. Yeah. You know, so that's the thing. I want to kind of be careful not to um, bash Jamie completely because, wow, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. That would be hard. I mean, talk about, you know, treading upstream. And he's doing a lot of really good things. I mean, just teaching people to get away from the processed foods, even though, like I said, you know, it's not perfect. He's not teaching the real truth about fats and about meats. And, you know, everything's, everything's not perfect, but at least he is teaching. I mean, he's getting people talking about this stuff. Right. And, and he's, he is teaching, on, teaching some good things as far as um, cooking at home more and, you know, that whole table, that family's whole dining room table that was just full of processed foods. You know, <laughs> he, he made a great, but that was a great scene. I mean, it was real, I'm sure staged, like you said, but real dramatic and, and show that, you know, that just can't keep happening. True. Very you true. Know, so there is some good that's definitely he's doing some good. I just, of course, you just want to jump in there and rewrite some of the scripts and stuff. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I am a fan. I'm a big fan of Jamie Oliver. I always have been. And uh, the show, just as you said, I'm with you 100%. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited to see the message that he's trying to get across. Right, Real food, uh, get back in the kitchen and cook eat dinner, eat meals as a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, you know, just trying to get, I mean, try to eat real food. I, th- I love all of that. And, of course, and you have, I think you have to kind of take it step by step, and it takes time, and you can't just rewrite the entire script, so to speak, uh, from the get-go. It, it just takes time. So great message. The show is really, really good. But I wanted to, uh, I want to thank you, first of all, for taking the time to come and talk with me today about uh, Jamie Oliver, and I said I'm a big fan of him. I'm a big fan of yours, too. <laughs> Kelly, the Kitchen Cop. You've got some great things going on over there. KellyTheKitchenCop.com. And once again, cop with a K. What are some of the things you're going to find over there? What what can folks find over at KellyTheKitchenCop.com? Well, right now I'm working on some. Um, I don't just rant about food. I also rant about other things now and then. And um, right now I'm working on a vaccine post. Those posts seem to just get people all riled up just as much as I get riled up about it. And um, I need to kind of give an update to my readers because I've, they've come along with me through the years as I've kind of bucked the system. You know, I, I've been getting these big red notices from the doctor that, you know, we need these shots for your kids. And, and uh, so I've kind of been bringing the reader along with me. So I have to do an update on that. So there's lots of stuff going on at the blog, not just ranting about food. <laughs> right. And that's all, but it's all kind of part, it's all part of a piece, though, isn't it? I mean, it's, uh, when you talk about that, you're talking about um, the same sort of mentality, I would think, right. huh? between yeah, the food and the medicine. Yeah, yeah. Yep, not just take what your doctor says as gospel, you know, to question everything. And, you know, I happen to love my doctor. I have really good conversations with him. He and I disagree about a lot of things, but we can talk about it, and he respects my opinion, and he knows I'm not just, you know, refusing vaccinations just because I don't feel like it or whatever. He knows I've done a ton of reading and research on it, and um, but so I'm not I'm not saying don't listen to your doctor, but I just don't want people to blindly follow anybody. I tell my readers don't believe what I say either. There's a lot I don't know about stuff. A lot I don't know. I'm just a mom who's treading my way through, trying to figure all this out and sharing what I'm learning. But I don't want people to blindly follow me or anybody. I want them to question everything. You know, these little kids that we're entrusted with, you know, I just it bothers me so much when I think about what we exposed our older son to. We had fast food all the time, Jeff. And and he and he struggled learning early on. And now our fourth little guy he's in kindergarten now and he's had a completely different diet still not perfect by any means but night and day he his learning he everything comes much easier to him so even in my own family I've noticed it and I just I want people to pay attention to everything and and do their own research excellent excellent advice 
Thank you so much, Kelly. I really appreciate you being here. Um, we have, let's see, kellythekitchencop.com. I mentioned that, but you're also on Facebook. So uh, you can find Kelly at facebook.com slash kellythekitchencop. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Take care. All right. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you again, Kelly, for taking the time to talk to me about Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution. I really appreciate you doing that, and I really enjoyed our conversation. I certainly hope that we could have you back on the show very soon. And thank you also for sending me the links to um, to Jamie's recipes that you had referred to in the episode. I'm going to post these links in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. You're going to find the direct link to the show notes for this show at catholicfoodie.com slash food-revolution. catholicfoodie.com slash food-revolution. Check out those show notes. And now, folks, I think it's time for Mary in the Kitchen with Sarah Reinhardt. Hi, I'm Junie. And I'm Ray. And this is Mary in the Kitchen with Sarah Reinhardt. <laughs> My three-year-old has discovered the joy of Play-Doh. I insist that she keeps it at the kitchen table, which sometimes makes for very interesting additions to our meal later on. My table, you see, is made of long planks. It's delightful, really, except for the fact that things have a way of getting stuck in the cracks and crevices between the boards. My way of dealing with this could involve cleaning and scraping these cracks every day. But instead, I tend to attack them a few times a year and use placemats to help prevent uh, the mixing and mingling of stuff. My mother-in-law, who is a stellar housekeeper, she's second to none, assures me that this is how she approached the table back when it was hers. So I don't beat myself up about my housekeeping or lack thereof. As I was watching my three-year-old dig into her rainbows of Play-Doh and thinking about the interesting chunks she'll probably add to her spaghetti later, I couldn't help but glance down in between the cracks in the table. And then, looking at the odd assortment that was there, I wondered about the cracks and crevices in my own life. I'm due for confession, and the way I know is because I've been getting annoyed with people who usually don't ever annoy me. I think maybe I'm also due for some extra prayer time. I always pray to start my day, in part because I've learned the hard way that when I don't, I'm not armed for my day. Lately, though, it feels like there's nasty stuff piling up on me, filling up the cracks and crevices and waiting to show up later. It's all too easy to say no when my three-year-old asks to create the colorful mess known as Play-Doh. The mess it creates, though, is a small price to pay for the creativity it sparks and the time it buys me. It's all too easy, too, to become so busy and distracted and full of myself that I forget that I'm supposed to be full of God. Not in a self-righteous way, but in a humble, full-of-grace way that Mary shows me again and again. This week, I think I'm going to try to interrupt my day, even if I'm experiencing a strange surge of productivity, and insert some prayer. I'm hoping that like the Play-Doh in the cracks of my table, it will stick with me and change me. That was Sarah Reinhardt. Thank you so much, Sarah Reinhardt. You can find more of Sarah over at snoringscholar.com, snoringscholar.com. Well, folks, we are coming to the end of the show, uh, but before we uh, do start the actual end end of the show, I want to remind you of our of my good friends over at simplicitiesoflife.com, Kobe and Kessie Thomas, simplicitiesoflife.com, handmade rosaries, chaplets, and jewelry, uh, beautiful stuff, and uh, just so impressive. If you haven't checked out their website, please go do so. Uh, fantastic! And you know what? It's a great time for it. Uh, we are moving into the spring, and uh, you know it's going to be first communion time coming up. Uh, they've got beautiful jewelry. I mentioned to you last week the 
the the necklace that we bought uh, Annabelle for her birthday. Yeah, oh, it just it's gorgeous. And I, I promised I promised last week to put a picture of her wearing that necklace up on the website at catholicfoodie.com and I haven't done that yet. Oh my goodness, I'm remembering now that I need to do that. So I will get that picture up. You can just go check the the show notes out over at catholicfoodie.com and uh, see that picture of that beautiful necklace. But you know what? You could just go to simplicitiesoflife.com and you get to see all these beautiful uh I mean, the necklaces, Holy Spirit necklace. I'm looking at a few different ones here. They've got some uh, cross earrings, Our Lady earrings with Our Lady with the fleur-de-lis. They have Our Lady earrings, but also like diamond shape. Uh, A girl pearl with bronze necklace. I mean, you talk about beautiful stuff, perfect gifts. The rosaries, also the jewelry, religious jewelry, perfect gifts for like communion, baptism, and weddings, too. They actually have this uh, kind of a lasso rosary where you, you it's like one big rosary, but you have one for the, for the groom and one for the bride, and, but it's beautiful. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it justice in explaining it, but uh, you, you can, you'll see what I'm talking about if you go check it out over at simplicitiesoflife.com. And uh, let's see what else we have here. Oh, we have a word here from our friend Jamie Oliver. Let's take a listen to what he has to say, and then we're going to move into uh, to close out the show. Here's a way you can be creative on a daily basis. Well, how else in your life can you actually create new things every day? And you have to eat. This mm-hmm. is the thing we all agree on. If you're going to eat three times a day to the day that you die, why not be good at it? I love that. <laughs> I just I just absolutely love that. All right. Well, as we do close out the show today, I want to remind you of SQPN, the StarQuest Production Network. Uh, the SQPN is in its giving campaign right now. Its annual giving campaign is taking place right now. And I uh, need your help. Need your help. They are the, the pig is getting fuller. The pig is getting fuller. Let me see if I go to SQPN.com right now. What will pop up here sqpn.com let's see how full that piggy is uh feed the pig okay they're about at 60 percent of what they need so they they have let's see they have ninety thousand dollars four hundred and thirty eight ninety thousand four hundred and thirty eight dollars pledged so far and they need a hundred and fifty thousand and uh once again this is uh i'm talking about uh, 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 important work. I mean, the important work that SQPN is doing in the Catholic media world, especially new media, online media, and uh, it's it's you know it's a ministry. It's a ministry. The only way that it can continue for another year is through uh, donations, through the support of listeners like you. So. Please do consider supporting SQPN. Go over and feed that hungry pig. Just go to sqpn.com, and you'll see the link right there on the right-hand side of the page, a little pig, hungry pig. sqpn.com slash donate is the direct uh, URL address. And thank you so much for your support. On that note, I also want to remind you of Catholic Foodie Coffee. We do have Catholic Foodie Coffee. It's the Morning offering, my morning offering blend of Catholic Foodie Coffee. It comes in decaf, uh, dark, and medium roasts, $10 a bag, 12-ounce bags. You can get it whole bean. You can also get it um, uh, ground uh, for a paper filter or if you have one of those, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, a, a gold filter or if you like espresso. However you want it ground, we can do that for you too. Just go to uh, catholicfoodie.com slash coffee. You can find out more information. This is specialty coffee now, hand-roasted. This is specialty coffee. Uh, catholicfoodie.com slash coffee to find out how you can order your very own Catholic Foodie coffee. And if you're interested in a Catholic Foodie coffee mug to go with that, or an apron, or a T-shirt, or any of that good stuff, those that fun stuff, you can go to store.catholicfoodie.com to find out more about that. And by the way, you don't have to remember all these links. I know I give you links all the time in the show. The good news is they're all in the show notes. They're all in the show notes. You just got to go over to 
catholicfoodie.com and check out the show notes and the links are all there. So I hope that you have enjoyed this episode of The Catholic Foodie with Jamie Oliver and his food revolution. I would love to hear from you. I want to know what you think about Jamie's food revolution. Please do give me a call, 985-635-4974. That's uh, our voice feedback line. You can leave a recording there, leaving me a message, basically, that I can play on the show, 985-635-4974. You can also uh, send me an email, jeff at catholicfoodie.com. I certainly hope to hear from you soon, and until next time, bon appétit. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.